On today's episode of Verity Talk, we're going to talk about consent, why we know Jesus was not a political activist, and a win for Christians in the Supreme Court. This is Jordan Reese with Verity Talk. Alrighty, welcome to Verity Talk. It has been an awesome week. I've been playing a game called Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. And if you are a part of my generation, you will know that this game is one of the most difficult games ever devised by mankind. And it's about a Mudecon named Abe, and him and his race get enslaved by a group called the Glucons and the Sligs. And it's like, you, you remember the sounds where it's like, Help! Hi! What? <laughs> if you play the game, you already know with those sounds. But anyways, um, Abe finds out that him and his race are going to be slaughtered by the Glucons. So the point of the game is to escape and save as many of his friends as you can. Um, it's a really fun game. So if you're looking for an old school game to play, that is an excellent one. And I've been getting into more Mexican music. Um, I'm After all, I am Mexican, so I have to, you know, listen to Mexican songs. Anyways, um, I was at a party and someone was playing Mexican music. And the song that got me on the binge was Cucurucucu Paloma. And to this day, I still don't know what that means. So anyone listening, if you could explain that, that'd be great. Um, you might say, why am I mentioning these things on the show? And the answer is because I can. The real answer is because I want to let you know, and this might be a revelation for some of you, but Christians can have fun. I know it might be contrary to a lot of people's opinion, but Christians can have fun. And we don't want to be like the hermits, um, you know, in church history, if you study church history. And that's where the term hermit comes from. And, you know, examples are Paul of Thebes and St. Jerome. Um, they would isolate themselves and focus solely on studying the word and praying and spiritual things. And a lot of good came from these people. But the idea of isolating yourself, you can't have fun. Um, even some Christians go as far to say that uh, certain things are sinful when, when they're actually not. And I'm talking about actual sin. You know, I'm not telling you, uh, you know, uh, if you're a person that goes, well, I'm going to rob a bank because it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. It's like, no, um, that's not what I'm talking about. But there are things that Christians can do that are fun, you know. And I'm going to talk about these things on this show because I like to go with the flow on the show. <laughs> and, um, you know, keep it interesting. And I might even review products that I bought and stuff like that. But we'll see. Um, and the reason, you know, the reason I mentioned this is because a third of, of the part of the kingdom, the third part of the kingdom of God is joy, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy ghost. So, uh, we got the, a lot of Christians have the first part, the first two parts down, but the third one they forsake. So anyways, we're just going to jump right into what is going on. So the first thing we're going to talk about is consent. And the title is New York Bill to Redefine Consent in Way That Would Make Obtaining Sex After Inflating Career a Form of Rape. Written by Ash Go, uh, if I'm butchering the name, someone can correct me later. 
date is April 10th, 2021. Quote, New York State Assemblywoman Rebecca Seawright introduced a bill that would redefine consent, something progressives have been doing for the past decade on college campuses, resulting in numerous acts being considered sexual assault that previously were not nor should be. Seawright's bill would add a definition of consent that states, Consent means freely given knowledgeable and informed agreement. Such agreement must be obtained without the use of malice, such as forcible compulsion, duress, coercion, deception, fraud, concealment, or artifice. Now, let me just say this. This is, we're living in a sad day in this world um, as a Christian, that they have to make laws concerning the word consent. Now, I'm, I'm going to get a little theological here. Uh, it says in Matthew 5.37, but let your communication be yay, yay, nay, nay. This, that's pretty deep. Um, the, the word yes means a word which expresses affirmation or consent, and no means a word of denial or refusal expressing a negative and equivalent to nay or not. We, we went really deep there. When, as a Christian, your yes needs to be yes and your no needs to be no. If you don't want to say yes, don't say yes. If you don't want to say no, don't say no. Now, in this area of sex, that's why, that's why we have to wait. We can avoid all that problem that it was talking about in there about making laws and everything by just waiting till you're married. Now, married people don't have this problem. For the most part, married people don't have this problem because they waited, they built a trust with someone, and they picked someone that takes God seriously, marriage seriously. Now, if you're single listening to this, wait, wait, capital W, capital eight, <laughs> because it's going to be worth it in the long run. You don't have to run into legal. I can't even tell you how many time, uh, articles I've read about college students getting involved in so much drama of having a one one night of doing their thing and then they get into legal problems and and um you know both of them think they consent and one of them didn't like it or one of them breaks up with the other and then they run into that problem save yourself the trouble i'm telling you save yourself the trouble because i know it's hard to wait, especially nowadays, because it feels like even some Christians are pushing the idea that, oh, well, you know, it happens and we're not supposed to go with that idea. And and I'm pretty sure everyone listening knows, but having sex out of marriage is wrong, according to Galatians 5.19. Um, so I don't need to go into that, but you need it's it's better to wait you can avoid all that and it and it's better to wait because like i said you're building a trust with someone when you're a christian you're you're supposed to be doing this actually you're trying to find someone that you can build trust with and you don't have to be christian necessary to build trust with someone but but what's different from christianity is we like to, we should want to pick someone who takes God seriously 
and then understands the covenant that a man and woman makes when they get married, that it's before God and you're making a promise before God. And so, and that you have to pick someone that you're going to, you, 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 how should I say this? You both should have that understanding that since you made a promise before God, that you are going to honor that no matter what. And I'm not talking about if, you know, someone cheats on you. I'm not talking about that, but that, because I know that some people get into rough patches, especially the first year, and they pick that reason to just ditch and get out of the marriage. Like, oh man, they're, uh, you know, we fight and yada, yada. No, you got to pick someone that you, that takes the covenant that they may be, before God seriously and everything. But um I I'll I'll just move on cuz I can talk a long time about that. Um so the next thing which is the one I really wanted to talk about. So article number 2. Sorry, I'm unfolding paper. Now, Jesus was a political revolutionary. Abram X Kendi rejects orthodox Christianity might be saying to yourself, I already see something wrong with this. Well, I'm with you on that, but let's read. Uh, this is written by Reverend Ben Johnson, date March 27th, 2021. So, this one's going to be slightly lengthy, but just bear with me. And I'll probably take pauses to comment. But, uh, quote, the best-selling author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. Ibram X. Kendi has admitted that his so-called anti-racist movement believes that Jesus was a political revolutionary and that trying to save souls is racist theology, which only breeds bigotry. <sighs> Let's keep going. Kendi's exoriation of Christian orthodoxy come in a newly resurfaced video shot in 2019 inside a church responding to an audience member who asks about any role that churches or communities of faith can play in the this anti-racist movement. Jesus was a revolutionary, and the job of the Christian is to revolutionize society. Candy replies, the job of the Christian is to liberate society from the powers on earth that are oppressing humanity. Uh, unquote, and we'll take a pause before we continue. Um, let me just start with this. Jesus was not a political activist. And you might have some Republican friends and Democrat friends that might say, well, Jesus would have been our side. Jesus would have been our side. He would have supported this cause. He Listen, Jesus was not a political activist. Let me say it one more time because I, I am tired of going on Facebook and people using Jesus and the Bible to promote their political side. Listen, Jesus was not a political activist. And do you know why I know that? Because there were political groups at the time and he didn't join any of them. There were the Herodians. There were the Zealots. There were the Galileans. There were groups, political groups back then, that if he wanted to, he would have been a part of them. But he wasn't. 
In fact, one of his disciples was a zealot. And these people were very nationalistic and anti-Roman. And, you know, they, they wanted Israel to return to a theocratic form of government, like God rule, you know. And so they were definitely against Rome, anti-Roman, if you want to use that term. And when I mean nationalistic, I don't mean it in a negative sense, but that's what they were and very passionate about their nationality. And one of the disciples was a zealot and his name was Simon. So like I said, there were political groups back then and Jesus wasn't a part of any of them. Why do I know that? Because the Bible said, says that I must be about my father's business. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 20. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life ransom for many. So he was about his father's business. His goal wasn't to join a political group. It was to die for mankind and for her sin. So we know that Jesus wasn't a political activist. Um, if he were here today, would he speak against um, evil? Yes. But he wouldn't join any political group. In fact, I don't think the political groups would even join him. So, yeah. So anyways, let's, let's keep going with what he said because... Anyways, uh, quote, he goes on to contrast liberation theology with savior theology, the form of Christianity that 80% of white evangelicals have when they voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Savior theology. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, in Kendi's view, those evangelicals believe that it is the, it, oh, the job of the Christian is to go out and save these individuals who are behaviorally deficient. In other words, we are to bring them into the church, these individuals who are doing all these evil, sinful things and heal them and save them. That goes, no, I'm sorry. Of course, most Christians of all stripes believe that Jesus saves sinners and heals them, not the pastor or, or individual believers. But how does Kendi assess an, an evangelical faith that emphasizes evangelism? That goes right in line with racist ideas and racist theology, Kendi asserts, because it requires personal responsibility. I don't know if you can tell, but this is a flaming pile of garbage, everything he's saying. First of all, he doesn't even have any scripture to back up. He's not even quoting scripture. Um, he... He says scripture, you know, in the, in all the article, he quotes a little bit of scripture, but so far for what he's been saying right now, no scripture. Um, first of all, I, I, well, you know what? Let me finish the last sentence I was going to read and then I'll, I'll say what I'm going to say. It teach uh quote, it teaches that the reason many people are struggling on our earth is because of what they're doing behaviorally wrong. Kenny denounces the idea that is my job as a pastor is to sort of save these wayward black people or wayward poor people or wayward queer people. That type of theology breeds, breeds bigotry. Okay, unquote. I'm done with that article. I'm about to barf. Listen. 
this is what this is something he said. The job of the Christian is to revolutionize society, to liberate society from the powers on earth that are oppressing humanity. Now, we know for sure that those two separate quotes they do apply in a spiritual sense, but he's not applying it in a spiritual sense. So, for example, the job of the Christian is to revolutionize society. Our job is to preach the gospel and live for God, which in turn will will revolutionize society. And we know that because in Acts, there's a couple of the apostles, uh, well, the apostles, when after the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they turned, <laughs> you know, uh, that I'm going to paraphrase, but I think it said the world, the world upside down through preaching the gospel. So as a Christian, as we're preaching the gospel and living our lives for God and praying, that will turn a society around, but for the good and for a spiritual sense. And then the second quote, to liberate society from the powers on earth that are oppressing humanity. Let me tell you something. This is why you can't get too political as a Christian. Because uh, we like to put a face on the evil things that are happened today. But that face we put on it will put the face of a man. And will attack the man. Instead of focusing our energy and our prayers against the devil who's behind evil. Who's not saying men aren't responsible for the evil things they do, but we need to focus our attention on the devil who's behind a lot of the agenda that's happening today or the bad agendas. We have to pray against the devil. We have to attack the devil through our prayers in the word. And when he says to liberate society from the powers on earth, that's the power on earth we need to focus our attention on. We need to attack. The devil, the Bible says, is the prince of the power of the air. So right now he's ruling and we need to pray against his agenda. His agenda is anti-God, anti-church, anti-Jesus, everything, anti-everything that's moral. So we need to, and the reason we need to focus our attention on the enemy is because people that aren't saved, they have blinders on their eyes. They have scales, the Bible talks about. We need to make sure we're focusing not necessarily on... Now, again, doesn't mean when evil's taking place that we don't speak out against it. We can speak out. We can preach against sin and preach against wrongdoing and everything. I'm not saying don't do that, but we need to focus our fire and our prayers and everything to cancel the assignments of the enemy and cancel what he's doing. And if we all focus on that as a, uh, together, the church, and not necessarily focus on a certain man, I think definitely things will start changing. And um, that's why, that's why, like I said, if you're, if you're a Christian into politics, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we really, really, really need to focus on preaching the gospel and li living out the Christian life and everything and not be afraid. And it's funny because I, I know people that 
will definitely speak boldly for their politics. But then when it's like, hey, let's let's talk about the gospel to these people. It's like, oh, you know. But uh, anyways. Um, oh, and then uh, he, he talks about. Uh, let, let me quote that one part again in the in the article that goes right in line with racist ideas and racist theology because it requires personal responsibility. Listen, sin is not regulated to one race. Every race has messed up. <laughs> if you were a part of my generation and maybe older, um, you were ingrained with the Romans road. You were taught to learn the Romans road. You, you had to memorize it. And if you know the Romans road, you know that what he's saying is just definitely wrong. Because Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. Everyone. We, have, we are personally responsible for ourselves. We are responsible for our choices. If anyone says they're, this person's not responsible for their choices, it's like, uh, don't listen to them. Because everyone has messed up. Everyone has done wrong. It's not regulated to one race or it's not exclusive to one race. Everyone's done wrong. There's no one that has lived a perfect life in this earth besides Jesus. Okay? Everyone's done wrong. And so, um, for all sin comes short of the glory of God. Then Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. So, because of our wrong, we deserve death and hell, judgment. But then the rest of the scripture says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. So, so yes, we believe in Savior theology because we have all messed up and we need saving. Otherwise, our destination is death and hell. So we need Jesus Christ to come and die for us and do his thing for us, uh, dying on the cross, living the holy life, rising again. That's, yes, we believe in Savior theology. We need a Savior. Everyone needs a Savior. So, so we, that's what we believe. Christians, if you don't believe that we need a savior, then you're not Christian. You can't say, I'm a Christian, um, but I don't need saving, then uh, you're not a Christian. <laughs> um, we, we need saving. That's why um, we believe in, sa- <laughs> well, like he likes to label it, label it savior theology. And you got it. The other thing he's trying to talk about is that it it doesn't matter about what we do. It doesn't matter what we do. So we need to not get the idea that God doesn't care about our behavior before we get saved or after. Now, this is a huge topic. I'm not going to delve into it. But like I said, a sinner is, you know, someone who's not saved yet, but sinner is responsible for all his choices that he does before he gets saved too. Uh, before he gets saved, he's responsible for the things he's done wrong, things he's done right, everything. And so that's why in the gospel we have to preach about, we you know, we messed up, we sinned, but God can forgive us and set us free. But then we can't get that idea as a Christian that once we get saved, that... um once we get saved, that 
our behavior doesn't matter anymore because that we're under grace. Now, again, huge topic. I do not have time to talk about every aspect of this, but the Bible says in First Peter that be holy for I am holy or you be holy for I am holy. So God does care about our behavior after. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, once we, you know, if we mess up as a Christian, that God breaks the relationship with us and God is done with us and that we're going to have to. No, that's why there's grace. That's why in the Bible it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, uh, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, if, if you sin, then you say, God, forgive me, get back up and keep living, live, going forward and living according to what the Bible says. And so God's not going to forget about you because you messed up once. The only way that you can get away from God is you personally walking away from him. And even then he's still going to run after you and still want to get you, you know, not, not get you in the sense of, uh, uh, in a bad sense, I mean, trying to get you back to a place where you have a relationship with him and, and spending time with him. But anyways, that's a huge subject. I'm not even going to get into that right now. But um, yeah, savor theology. Um, like I said, don't, I wouldn't get into that uh, idea. But anyways, let's move on. The third article which is about the Supreme Court. And the the Supreme Court recently made a decision about California's decision to limit the number of people that you could have in your home and gathering together to basically have a service in your home. And so this basically California was trying to put a limit on, for example, if I wanted to have a service in my home, they try to put a limit and, and limits on it and everything. So according to the daily wire, and you know what? I just made a huge mistake. <laughs> okay. Before I put myself in some hot water here. The first article I read was from the Daily Wire. The second one, excuse me, was, sorry, I got the paper. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to move on. Oh, I'm sorry. It's right here. <laughs> You know, you just got to go with the flow. Um, Action Institute. Sorry, Action Institute. And the third one is also from the Daily Wire. But anyways, so title is SCOTUS Block California Restriction That Limits In-Home Religious Gatherings, written by Jeffrey K. Wood and April 10th, 2021. Sorry. Quote, the Supreme Court has blocked a California restriction that limits in-home religious worship. Finding the regulation violates the First Amendment. The Associated Press reported the order from the court late Friday is the latest in a recent string of cases in which the high court has barred officials from enforcing 
enforcing some coronavirus-related restrictions, applying to religious gatherings. According to the AP, the case before the justices involved two residents of Santa Clara County in the San Francisco Bay Area who want to host small in-person Bible study sessions in their home homes. The court ruled again that California is different and worse rules for the temples of God than the temples of commerce do not did not withstand strict scrutiny, tweeted Harmi K. Dillon, who represented the plaintiffs in this lawsuit. So, unquote. So, the reason I'm saying this is that this is actually a good thing. This is a good thing that the Supreme Court picked this. It was a five to four <laughs> decision. So, that's kind of a concerning thing, but but this is a good thing for us, for Christians, because we celebrate when the government supports our faith. Well, I should say supports religious freedom. That one, we definitely need to celebrate when they support religious freedom and talk about religious freedom and everything. Um. So before I continue with my thought, I, I think I said this last show, make sure you're praying for the government. Make sure you're paying for all our leaders, the ones in your town, the ones in your state, the ones in this country. Because if we lack prayer for our government, for example, if us Christians are just complaining about the leaders and their wrongdoing and everything, um, and there's no prayer going on, the enemy is just going to keep working. Let me say this. The enemy's working 24-7. He doesn't sleep. He's continually working to do his agenda. So if you're constantly complaining and you're constantly just talking smack on the leaders and not praying at all, it's like, uh, and I'll talk about other stuff that Christians can do, but, but listen, we need to be praying and that's how we stop the agendas of the enemy because stop, you can't stop the agenda of the enemy solely just by going on the streets and protesting. Um, yes, it's not a bad thing to protest, but we're fighting a, a spiritual battle. And literally getting signs and stuff going on the streets and protesting is not going to stop the enemy. Again, not saying don't do it. We have that right to protest as an American. But what I'm saying is this is a spiritual battle. The things we're, A lot of the things we're seeing today is spiritual. It's spiritual. And we, can't, we need to fight that with a spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty... For um, pulling down the strongholds, strongholds. Listen, that's why the Bible says too that um, that our enemy is, you know, the devil and everything. It's not about man; it's it's the devil. And make sure you're praying. Make sure you're in your prayers, uh, whatever you're praying for, include it for the leaders and for the government and everything. Because that's, like I said, I keep saying it, but listen, it stops the enemy in his tracks in by, by faith, though, with faith. Don't just say an empty prayer. You got to have faith that God will change 
things in America and the U.S. Um, but the reason why I mentioned this article too is that's why I'm mentioning prayer a lot because, like I said, or oh my goodness, let me rewind. Okay. The reason I'm mentioning this too is because don't put your faith in government at all, okay? <laughs> if the last two years, four years, five years haven't told you anything, six years, if they haven't told you anything yet, then you need to get a revelation. Don't put your faith in government at all. Well, uh, I'm a Democrat and a Democrat president's here, so it's going to be okay now. No, I'm a Republican. A Republican president's going to be doing uh, doing good things now no listen don't put your faith in government we should celebrate when the government supports religious freedom and bible principles and everything so that we need to celebrate that but don't put your trust in them don't put your faith in them because if you do you're going to be disappointed so what you need to do is put your faith in god because what I've been encountering with some Christians is that um, uh, whatever president they support, if they lose, then they get so disappointed and it's like, um, what was your faith in that person or was your faith in God? And this goes for both Democrat and Republicans. For example, Republicans, when President Trump lost, it's like, uh, we're former President Trump. Um, they said, oh my gosh, now the country is going to go downhill, yada, yada, yada. Um, was your faith in him or is your faith in Jesus? You know, because it doesn't matter who's in the office because God is the one that reigns supreme. He's above everyone. He's above any leader in this world. And when he wants something done, it doesn't matter who's in the office. And then, you know, I'll hit both sides. Uh, in the 2016 election, when 2016 election, when Hillary lost, it was like, oh my gosh, now what's going to... It's like, are, do you believe God can make sure the country is going to go the way God, he wants it to? Or are you putting your faith in a person? So... um. So that, like I said, the reason I'm mentioning this is because, like I said, don't put your faith in the government. You will be disappointed every time. And so make sure that you're praying. And like I said, you can, you can do things as a Christian um, to that, that are biblical, not sinful. Um, that, like I said, the main thing you should be doing is praying for this country and living your life according to Jesus and living like him. That's the main thing you should be doing as a Christian. But as a Christian, if you're getting involved in politics, first of all, don't let politics shape your theology. Let your theology, the theology in the word, change your politics. You got that. You got to keep that in mind every time. Um, and that means whatever party you're in, there's things you're not going to support. So because of the the Bible, um, you know, it's not, you know, if you're a Christian and, for example, abortion, I'm not afraid to say that one. It's wrong. It's sinful. And it, 
and we need to speak out against that. Speak out against it. Go to those, um, and it's your choice, but going to anti-abortion rallies and everything and making your voice heard and speaking against those things. Um, so doing that, um, you know, but like I said, the main thing you can do is praying and preaching the gospel and living out your life for Jesus. And, and when you're talking to people, not being afraid to say what the Bible says. So, um, I, I could keep going on, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear some snoring going on, but anyways, um, thank you for tuning in. I, it's, it, this is an exciting thing. I am excited to watch, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I, <laughs> if you're keeping up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if you watched last episode, it was like, what the heck? <laughs> um, so if you're, if you're wanting to watch a series, if you haven't watched all the Marvel movies and everything, I would not. You can watch it, but you're not going to understand necessarily what's going on. But if you have kept up with it and you haven't watched it, you should uh, watch it and uh, get that going because it is definitely getting interesting. And uh, so have a fun Friday or a good Friday. And I will actually see you tomorrow. I will be releasing another episode for Saturday. So tune in if you have not subscribed already. To Verity Talk, you can find me on Apple and Spotify. So I will talk to you guys tomorrow. God bless you. Have an awesome day.